What's up, everybody? I am Ryan McNichols, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Hauk, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. Hey everybody, how's it going? We are back. It is Saturday, August 6th. It is hot out, but I am excited. You know why I'm excited, Rich? What's that? Because we just had football this week. We had our first preseason game happen on Thursday, a little less than 48 hours ago. It's not real football, but it is real football at the same time. So uh, we'll talk about that a little later. There is a little bit of news coming out of that game, but we had breaking news this week in the NFL, Rich. Big news, like season-changing news. Huge news. Huge news. It turns out that Romeo Dubes is non-existent. His name is actually Romeo Dobbs. This is world-shattering, Rich. It is. I know. I know he's. I know he's your guy. So, what, what does this do for for him? What does this do for Romeo Dobbs? I'm not sure yet, but it, it is devastating news. It's a big miss by me. The whole time looking him up, scouting, seeing everything, thinking his name was Dubs. It's a big miss. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was Dubs too. We had people out there who thought it was Dubs. We're not the only people who were surprised by this. Um, all right. Yeah, we're all world shattering stuff right there. <laughs> So we're joking around. We're joking around. <laughs> oh, really? We're joking around? <laughs> Before we get to some uh, some actual serious news. So there was big breaking news in the NFL this week. Rich, why don't you tell everybody what happened this week in the NFL? Yeah, so uh, early Monday morning, we had the suspension announced uh, for Deshaun Watson of six games, courtesy of Sue Robinson. Um, that was announced there. There was uh, some backlash on the Internet. A lot of people were expecting more. A lot of people were upset. Yeah, the NFL fought their appeal Thursday and appointed former uh, New Jersey attorney uh, Peter Harvey. He's going to oversee the case and give his ruling. Yeah. Also with that, Deshaun Watson did not receive a fine as part of this punishment either, so there was no fine levied against him by Sue Robinson either. So... Well, Rich, I'll let you go first. What's what? Do, what's your reaction to this? I was a little bit surprised by the six games initially, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, based on what they had done, their precedents they had set previously, it seemed about right. And I figured the NFL would file their appeal. And I kind of understood the NFL wanted more of a punishment, which is understandable, and figured they were going to file their appeal and let, let it play out. And I, I expect to see the, the indefic- indefinite suspension levied for him. What about you? You think he deserved more of a punishment? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm just making, I'm just clarifying because the way you said it was kind of like, you know, you're like you, it, it almost made it seem like you agreed with the, the, the six game issue there for a second. No, not you, that I agreed, just based off what the NFL had done previously, it just kind of came to expect that they would levy that type of punishment. And, you know, um, I I expected it indefinite right away, but I think we're going to get it now through the appeal. So... Yeah, I, I fully disagree with some of the things that Sue Robinson did. So there's a couple of, of parts of this that we can break down. So the first thing I want to talk about is, the rea- is a lot of the reaction from people about the appeal happening from the NFL. And essentially, like, I keep hearing people say it over and over again that, you know, the NFL is still acting as judge, jury, and executioner in this case as they have been in the past. And that's not true in this situation. Judge Sue Robinson was the jury in this case, and that cannot be changed. What she found to be the facts of the case cannot be disputed. 
undisputed. They cannot be changed. They cannot, anything cannot be subtracted. Nothing can be added. What she found is the facts of the case are the facts of the case, and any punishment has to be based off of that. So they can appeal her punishment, which they are doing, and then they're going to execute it. But Roger Goodell is not the jury in this situation because he didn't decide Watson's guilt or innocence. Sue Robinson did. And the problem for Deshaun Watson is she found him guilty on all counts. And then my final thing is it's the problem is that there was four instances of him violating three different provisions of the code of conduct policy. So like my argument to you, I've said it before, like, you know, uh, is that if there was, you know, if it's the punishment is three games for nonviolent. This was what she focused on. She focused on nonviolent a lot throughout her thing. And it doesn't matter whether or not it's nonviolent. The NFL has said in a 2018 code of conduct policy that sexual offenses, regardless of whether or not, like it's literally written in there, it's, it was sexual assault or other sex offenses. So it didn't, their policy was including other sex offenses in the same line that it was including sexual assault and things like that. So they were warned about it. They do understand that sex offenses are treated on that same level. So like her argument that one, he shouldn't have, like that they're trying to change it after the fact and he wasn't given fair notice as to their expectations, that's just not true. That's just fundamentally not true. It's in a 2018 code of conduct policy. I printed it out. I can read it line for line if anybody would like. Uh, um, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So I'm interested to hear. Let's let's check it out. So it's literally. So here's. It's literally included. It says this is you know the code of conduct policy. Uh, players convicted of a crime are subject to a dip, uh, disposition of a criminal proceeding as defined in the policy are subject to discipline. But even if the conduct does not result in criminal conviction, players found to have engaged in any of the following conduct will be subject to discipline. Product, prohibited conduct includes, but is not limited to the following. So it's not limited to the stuff, but it's setting the guidelines. Actual or threatened physical violence against another person. I know there wasn't actual violence. I feel like the women in this case thought that there was threatened violence against them. Is that, that not something can we agree upon? So, is the, so what they need you to understand? Huh? You got through the, the thing, yeah. Okay, so then after that, uh, or so assault or physical violence against another person, including dating violence, domestic violence, child abuse, and other forms of family violence, assault and or battery, including sexual assault or other sex offenses. So again, right there, in the first two things, they included assault and battery, sexual assault, with other sex offenses, and in the first one, it was actual or threatened physical violence. So that's two instances where they weren't distinguishing a, a difference between actual versus threatened violence or whether or not violence occurred. If this sort of situation happens, regardless of whether or not there was actual violence, they treated it as the same. It's written in the same line of text. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think we're all on the same page on that one. Violent or threatening behavior towards another employee or a third party in any workplace setting. It's uh, another one. <laughs> so what is this, what is this through? They're changing things after the fact to redefine what they mean. This is the 2018 code of conduct policy. This was before he did any of those things. This was before the massages started. So there's no reason he shouldn't have known that he wasn't allowed to do these things. So that's one thing yeah. I disagree I mean, with. He doesn't know not to do that. Stuff, I mean, right? yeah, well, the, <laughs> right. Her argument that, oh, it's not spelled out word for word, like, that's just insane to me. Yeah. And then again, so if, they, do they need to add that now to if, the CBA? Like, right. We need to sexually assault massage yeah, therapists? 
Yeah, we need to go in and specifically tell everybody, like, you know, what the specific, like, you know. I, apparently. Come on. Apparently like, it is. Like, that, be, be, be better. Like, just be better. So, and then, again, the, the problem is in all <laughs> the other cases she references, it was maybe one or maybe two violate or maybe two instances of something. Like, there were four violations in this case, or four instances in this case of three violations. That's 12 violations to me. Three game suspension for a violation that's nonviolent. That says 36 games to me. Now, if you want to say, well, you can't say that because you violated three, like, because all three violations came from one thing, you can't do 12. Okay, so let's look at it this way. That's four instances where he violated the Code of Conduct policy. Each one of those instances should warrant a three-game suspension. That's a 12-game suspension. That's why the NFL was coming down to settle on that 12-game suspension with them. That's that's why that was the lowest they were willing to go, because that was the argument that they, they were trying to make, is that's how the logic should go. Like, you don't even need to change what her argument or, or debate the violent versus nonviolent part, which we can see from the 2018 Code of Conduct policy doesn't have any merit to it to begin with. So, like, that's just, it's just insane to me. I think he should be suspended. very good point. I want the 36 games to happen, too, because that means that's two years he's suspended and then two games of 2024. So his contract for 2024 actually count, whereas, like, if he's suspended for a whole season, your contract doesn't toll. So, like, this year won't count towards his contract. And, like, the way they structured it, he's not going to lose, like, any money from, you know, uh, game checks because he has a low base salary, got a huge signing bonus here, and the signing bonus can't be touched due to this. Uh, fines and suspensions, and there was no fine levied by the judge. So, like, it's just insane to me. Like, so the NFL is going to rectify the situation. How much they rectify it remains to be seen. I I feel like I know people won't like it, but since like people are already saying, like, I feel like the NFL might drop the hammer, and they might like a year, like the indefinite suspension for a year seems like at least that like the least at this point. You know, with more probably to come, like so, the fine and stringent like reinstatement protocols. I, I know you see. You 36. What do you expect that is going to come down? What do you think? Your best guess. Um, like I said, I think it's going to be at least a year, and then it's probably going to be something where, like, he's going to have to do something or enter a pro and just, like, with everything that'll happen, I honestly think he might miss part of a second year as well so that his contract will toll or... If the NFL is not going to make that happen, they're going to hit him with a heavy fine to counter that not happening. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems unreal to me that you're just going to say, oh, well, you know, just take another year off and then make all the money you made on that contract. And no, and no big deal, especially because we know how the NFL works. And at this point, it's like, you know, we tried to offer you a deal that was closer to 12 games and or like something like that. And like, you just didn't want to take it. You've shown no remorse for anything. And like, won't it be like we've proven that you've done what we said you did and you've still shown no remorse and won't admit to doing it. And you're playing, you're completely playing hardball with us. Why shouldn't we play hardball with you and make an example out of you? Like, you know, like it, again, just set a precedent for everybody going forward. Like this is the new norm now for things like this where like if you do something like this a minimum of a year is going to be happen if not possibly more for aggravating factors and I think they might really focus on the aggravating factors in this situation the lack of remorse the yeah. intent and all that it's a big stain on the shield this is a huge story right yeah, it's it's uh it's messed up uh, so, yeah so so we've gone on a little a little while about that uh, it's an important issue we had a lot to say um, but let's hop into some of the other uh, news that happened so there was some news uh, uh, other than that regarding 
regarding uh, some legal matters with the NFL. So the Miami Dolphins were docked their 2023 first round pick and their 2024 third round pick for tampering. This has to do with it stems from the Brian Flores investigation where like this was revealed through the course of that where you know Brian Flores was suing the Dolphins alleging that they you know were discriminating in their hiring processes and that they offered to pay him to tank. There was some comments like that were found to have been made by the Miami Dolphins owners. However, they were not they were not said or to be taken in a way that was meant to be serious or tell him to lose the which so what Brian Flores said was true where like that comment was made, but like apparently the NFL is spinning in that like he didn't mean it or it wasn't intended to be taken seriously. But also coming from that they found we we had heard talks this offseason about possibility of like Brady becoming a part time owner of the Dolphins and maybe coming out of retirement when he'd retired and maybe coming out of retirement to play quarterback for them if he becomes part-time owner and in that situation they might bring in Sean Payton to be the head coach it was just very weird like that all this information was coming out well we now find out that they had had conversations about this with Tom Brady several times over the span of a couple of years so like two or three instances over the span of like three or four years where they talked about this with Tom Brady and Sean Payton when obviously they were under contract with other teams that's a no-go yeah you cannot do that you're not allowed to negotiate deals with players who are under contract with other organizations in the NFL. So the Dolphins have been docked those picks. The Dolphins still have a 2024 or 2023 first round pick. They acquired one in a trade. I believe it was from the 49ers. I'm not 100% if it was the 49ers. I think so. Um, I think it was part of the uh, trade to get Trey Lance. I'm not 100%, but they definitely have a second first yeah, round pick. So they still have sure. one. Uh, after that, some other legal matters. Marquise Brown. Wide receiver Arizona Cardinals arrested for criminal speeding. Probably not much is going to happen from this, but we're going to mention it. Just you never know. Maybe he might face a game suspension. Maybe some team discipline. Who knows? Uh, I don't expect much. Yeah, I don't expect much. Alvin Kamara's hearing for assault was pushed back two months. This is actually a little concerning for me because it's now this trial was supposed to start early August. They've now pushed it back. It's not starting until early October. We've seen the video. Alvin Kamara is going to get suspended for violating code of conduct policy and assaulting somebody. Whether or not there's criminal charges or anything. Who is this? Alvin Kamara. Uh, Remember, he assaulted the guy in the casino before the uh, Pro Bowl. <laughs> and I'm not even saying allegedly. There's a videotape. Yeah, like, this isn't even allegedly. Yeah. So he's going to be suspended. My concern is with the delay. If this, I would rather him have been suspended for the first six games of the season and then come back and play the rest of the season, whereas now it looks like this might be lingering over the season for him, and then he might get suspended mid mid to late season with the way this might all go to resolve, because the trial begins in October. That doesn't necessarily mean it's ending early October. That could go on for a month, it could go on for two months, and then something happened, and now, you know, it's early December, and Alvin Kamara is suspended. And that just, it's something to keep an eye on, how this unfolds with him. It's, it's a risk factor you have to include and we had talked about this. Alvin Kamara is also getting up there in age. Alvin Kamara is firmly outside the first round for me as far as redraft goes. I get the concern. I get the concern. It's, it's, a, it's a sticky situation. If you want to get involved in that, you got to understand the risk. I, I agree with you. I don't know if I take him in the first round. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't. Um, but it, I tend to believe though that his lawyers are going to do everything they can to get that pushed back again. And again, until the season's over, and then they'll let it go, and then he can he get suspended, and it'll probably be at the beginning of the 2023 season. 
Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see. That could, you know, kind of be like how Deshaun Watson's thing was where, like, you know, it depending on how much coverage that gets, that may or may not happen. Because well, the good thing for does the NFL Camaro, want though, that hanging over them for an entire but, season and then going into next season again, you know the, what I mean? The good thing for Kamara, though, is that... The Deshaun Watson thing. Exactly. Happened. Exactly. So it's, it's not big news at the moment because everybody's focused on Deshaun Watson. So, all right. And then after that, you know, so that's all of the legal matters that happened in the NFL that were huge this week. We do have some training camp news to discuss. So some news out of training camp. Tim Patrick, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, has torn his ACL. He will miss the 2023 NFL season. This is unfortunate for the Broncos. How much it actually affects the layout of the Denver Broncos team is to be determined. I mean, I, I kind of imagine him slotting in his wide receiver three. He functioned a little – he functioned better than the other two wide receivers in the offense last season, but he was putting up wide receiver – he was putting up flex numbers, essentially. He was getting 10 points roughly a week. I expect Cortland Sutton to get more than that. With Russell Wilson there, there was a chance Tim Patrick did more. Yeah, there was some hope for him to have a little bit more upside. So Maybe it, a wide receiver two finish if you're lucky. Yeah. But where I say it doesn't change anything, Thing, whereas I don't know how much additional volume that Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy is going to yeah. get with Tim Patrick gone. And, I mean, so my two most logical options for this to affect are either Albert O or KJ Hamlin. Exactly. Yeah. Does yeah. this change anything for you? Like, if, in a redraft league, if you you weren't drafting KJ Hamler before when Tim Patrick was there, are you doing it now? Is he nothing more than a late-round flyer? Late maybe? Round if flyer, yeah, yeah, so, flyer. so, like, your last pick before you take a defense and a kicker, yeah. essentially? He's there, yeah. So that's, I mean, I again, agree. It and doesn't then, open up targets for the guys. Right? Does it make you, you yeah. take him and hope that like your little dude with speed, Russell Wilson, thinks he's like Tyler Lockett and chuck some deep balls again? Yeah, that's what you're hoping yeah. for. Ch- will it happen? Probably not. But you know, you're taking your shot. That's what those picks are for. Change your opinion about Albert O at all? Do you think maybe he'll see increased? Tar- I don't know what your opinion was on him before with Noah Fan out or all. Yeah. Like you know, I just don't know how much it it, it really affects the, the. I don't know the trickle down effect yeah. is greatly uh, other than you lose Tim Patrick, uh, which is. You might see some a few more targets to running backs, a few more to the tight end, and then you look for one of those guys who were like on the, the Broncos depth chart, wide receiver four, five, and six, like Hamler. I'm not sure who else is really under them, but one of those guys will have to step up and fill the void right. a little bit. I think or it'll be a combination. I, I Montreal Washington has been the name out of training camp, I uh, believe. Yeah. Okay. I think um, the way like you look at it is it definitely gives more upside to any of those guys. Because, uh, I mean, Tim Patrick isn't – he. you know, it does at the end of the day vacate some targets. Uh, I don't think it affects, you know, Sutton and Judy a whole lot um, because I don't think a ton of those stars are going to go there. But, like, you know, if you think about if you're getting a guy like Hamler, now say somebody else gets hurt. Like now, now you got like now, like because he's he's he could play football, you know. He's he, in real life, like he's a serviceable slot receiver. Yeah, exactly. But you know, so now it's just like that one step closer. Like, all right, now he's gonna get probably more targets, and somebody else gets hurt. Now he's like, all right, they're gonna have to lean on him, start leaning on him. So I think it's definitely, you know, something to look at. Look, like definitely a guy that you could could look to target very late in your draft and you can get them like really good value. For sure. Yeah, 10-team redraft, probably not
not on 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 your roster, but somebody to keep an eye on. If you hit 12 team, he's probably like you said a late round flyer to stash away. And in dynasty, he's already on a roster. He yeah. should be on a roster because he has potential over the course of his career. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's as as far as that goes. Then uh, let's talk about some of the news that came out of the Hall of Fame game. So that was the first preseason game. It took place between the Jacksonville Jaguars back. <laughs> and the Oakland Raiders. Football is back. Jacksonville Jaguars did not play any of their starters. The Oakland Raiders didn't play most of their starters. Their offensive line, most of their offensive line starters played. And a surprising starter for the Raiders was Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs actually had, was it five, six rushing attempts on the first two drives for the Oakland Raiders in the first preseason game? He did catch a ball. He did catch it and caught a pass. He had uh, about five or six carries, like you said. Some surprising usage. What? What do we what What do we make of this? Is this something? I mean, I mean, the first thing is McDaniel said he wants to get the ball to the guys, so that's if you take it right from the source. But yeah, I don't. You're familiar with the new yeah. offense, the new. Stadium. I don't think it means anything. Honestly. Knock some of the rust off. I'm not so worried. About how it. many other? How many other starting running backs are going to play in their team's first preseason game? We have 30 other teams. If I asked you to yeah. tell me how many of those teams are going to have, well, that situation could be so. 10 or 12. Like, maybe? You think 10 or 12 are going to have their starting running back playing in the first preseason I game? Think they could. Okay. Are we looking at what, like the Houston Texans trying to figure out Damian Pierce yeah. and Marlon Mack? Like, you know, okay. Yeah. But like, this is a that's this isn't two new guys competing for a spot. This is like a guy who's yeah, been there as the lead total. back. So let's, say seven let's, ten. let's, let's couple say seven this with the ten. fact that Josh Jacobs did not have his fifth year option picked up by the Oakland Raiders, and then they drafted Samir White in the draft with limited capital after trading away for Devontae Adams. So all of this news combined doesn't have you concerned at all about Josh Jacobs' potential future with this team. I think they're going to run him into the ground, bro. Contract here, dude. <laughs> I don't know if Josh Jacobs is somebody who can be run into the ground. I feel like He falls into the ground on his own throughout. Like, he, he, like no offense, but he is a guy that's missed, what, two to three games, two or four games every yeah, season misses, because of injuries. Yeah. So, like, he's not – like, what are you going to – if they try to give him – you know, 20 carries a game. How many games before he's out for, you know, six weeks? Yeah. I just – that's something where you have to consider that again if you're going to take him. And he's not involved in the pass catching. So, if you're giving him 20 carries a game, like, realistically, so he's got to be averaging five yards a carry to get – and then he's got he's got to get 100 yards and a touchdown, essentially, on those 20 carries. He's got to average five yards a carry and get a touchdown, and that will get you 16 points if they use him as a workhorse like that because he's not involved in the passing game. I, I'm just concerned about him. I'm usually concerned about – Josh Jacobs because he's not involved in the passing game. But the fact that he's playing in the first preseason game, they have four preseason games, by the way, too, because they played in the Hall of Fame game. Every other team has three. So the fact they had him out there for the first one, it's just, I don't know. It seemed, I, I, for a guy who also yeah. gets injured, too, it seemed like an unnecessary risk to have him out there I, and risk I agree an injury. That it is most likely an unnecessary risk. I just think it's really not that big of a deal. Now, if we see him playing all four games, then that's like, yeah, that's okay, what's true. going on here? Yeah, so that's but what I'm saying. One, one, one or two series in the first game and the beginning of August, I'm, I don't think I'm reading too much of it. It's uh, something to maybe keep your eye on. Yeah, so continue to monitor the situation. Also, Zamir White looked pretty good in that game. He was pretty much the only talking point coming out of the game, if you're looking on Twitter and all that, for like feedback from the game. He was the main talking point. But, again, just some news to keep an eye on. So, 
All right, we are going to move on from all of that, and we are going to get into our agenda for today, and that is our fantasy roster evaluations. So again, we are going to go through every team in the NFL. We're going to go through by division. We are going to look at the players on their team, and we're not going to rank them like, I think this guy will be wide receiver 14 at the end or anything. We're just going to assign a general rating to them, essentially, where we're going to look at a guy, and we're going to say, I think this guy is, you know, I would give this guy a five, uh, on a scale of one to five. This guy is a five. This guy's a lineup lock. Just put him in your lineup, set him. Don't even think about it. You know, you're Justin Jefferson, you're Cooper Cup, uh, something like that. Those are the guys that are just going to get fives. They're going to be lineup locks. And then we're going to go through and we're going to look at the guys a little further down on the depth chart, or maybe not even further down. We're going to look at, you know, the backup quarterback situation, backup running back situation, how there's kind of what's the fall off between there, how would a change affect that, and rate those guys as well. And then essentially every team's going to end up with a total points for their positions. And then we're at the end of all this, we'll just look and find like who are the teams that have, you know, the most fantasy relevance from the way that we kind of view it and teams to focus on. And if you do something like a best ball uh, tournament where, you know, you want to try to stack players from the same team because then you only have to worry about that team doing well on a week to week basis where like, you know, if you have Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen and Gabe Davis all on your team and the bills go off one week, you get all those points where if you, you know, if you get Stefan Diggs and Jamar Chase and, you know, Elijah Moore, you have three good players, but because they're on separate teams, you now need all three of their game scripts to go to a, you know, a pass-heavy attack in order for you to get points from them. So that's why stacking is popular in best ball. This will help a little bit with that, kind of. But mainly it's to look at it from a season-long standpoint, just kind of say, like, where would – we're putting people in group houses. Where would, where do we feel about these guys and things like that? So, again, our scale is going from one to five. Five is going to be lineup lock. Just don't even think about it. Put him out there. If he's playing, don't question it. Four is going to be a weekly starter. This is a guy who, you know, is not necessarily like a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, but kind of a guy that pretty much you're starting on a weekly basis unless he has a bad matchup. So some, uh, who's a good example? Somebody, I guess, like maybe like a Mike Evans, who you're, you're probably starting on a week-to-week basis. You may have a wide receiver to compete with him, but the weeks that he's playing Marshawn Lattimore, historically, you don't want to start Mike Evans when he's playing Marshawn Lattimore because he locks True. him down. So you want to find somebody else to fill in for him. So it's not the top five guy at the position, not top, not top five or ten at the position, I guess, is where we're given the four at. We're kind of guys that we feel could on a weekly basis cross over there but could also float in the 15 or so range. Kind of a, yeah. RB2s, wide receiver twos. Exactly, things there. like that um, as far as fantasy production, not on their team. And then three is, you know, this guy is a flex pay. Keep him on there as, you know, like a bye week fill-in for somebody. You know, uh, Russell Gage would be a good example if you have Mike – or, you know, well, not if you have Mike Evans because Russell Gage isn't going to fill in on his bye week. They're on the same team. But Russell Gage would be an example of a flex play guy who if you need him to fill in for your wide receiver two on the week that he has a bye, he can still get you, you know, 12 or so points hey, without throwing that, things off. Or guys, when you got a good matchup one week, you want to start them. Yeah. yeah. Like they're playing the Cowboys week one. Chris Godwin may or may not be available. And so Patrick used to be. Yes. yes, exactly. Tim Patrick was a three every year. Yeah. Then we have a two, which is essentially a bench stash. These are guys that, like, you're hoping could emerge into that flex play role you're, uh, you want. So... 
I guess maybe some Romeo Dobbs. rookies, things like that. Romeo Dobbs, yep. George Pickens, who's Seth getting Lord. a lot of buzz out of camp, and you know, with the situation with Chase Claypool, it looks like he could emerge as a target on that offense potentially. You know, guys like that, guys who you shouldn't draft expecting to start or to fill in with you on a weekly basis, but who have that potential to break out or become yep. a weekly starter for you is essentially okay. what Kenneth the two Walker. is. Kenneth Walker's. Another example. Ken Walker's at least a three-star man. I might give him a three as well. I was thinking, but flex for now. This is something. This is something we got to see how training camp plays out and whether or not Rashad Penny's actually the starter or not. Because it's one of those things where they're declaring Rashad Penny the starter, then I might. Let's get down both. Yeah, we'll see. All right, so, and then one is you're not drafting this guy in redraft leagues, and you probably don't, he's probably clogging your roster in Dynasty, essentially. That's what the one ranking is for players where, like, eh, if you have the space, keep him, but if you need some space, this is somebody that you can get rid of, and again, in, in, a, redraft, in a redraft, don't have him on your team. Yeah, JJ Taylor. <laughs> so, roster clogger. JJ Taylor. Why is he taking shots at JJ Taylor? No, 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 he's been on my team since the startup, and he just. Catching straight. I, I think he's been on and off my team four times already. Because <laughs> it's just he's one of those guys. Who's like, well, I might as well fill the slot yeah. with somebody. He knows the locker well, room. You know, he's yeah. comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I can cut him. Pick him up in three weeks with nobody even. I don't think most people know who he is. <laughs> so that's exactly what the one rating is for. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to start with the AFC North. We have the information for some of those guys last year, and we have right now the depth chart based off of what ESPN had the depth chart listed at as the beginning of training camp. So we're going to start with a team that should be pretty fantasy relevant, and that was the AFC champs, Cincinnati Bengals. I think we can get through this team rather quickly. Yeah, this one should be pretty easy. So uh, let's start with Joe Barrow. Joe Barrow, I think we both agree, is a five. I understand an argument for a four. Uh, I could see it. He is he, He's hovering in that quarterback eight to 12 range, I would say. So there's a possibility in certain leagues, depending on how you view him. You know, if it's a 10-team league, he might go with quarterback or 11 or 12 and be somebody's second quarterback. He could also, you know, go with 11 or 12 and still be somebody's first quarterback because somebody else double-dipped elsewhere. So... I would imagine if you have Joe Burrow, you're probably start you you draft him to be your starter on a weekly basis, and you only you know I, I mean you would have had to draft two good quarterbacks early if he's going as your second quarterback. Yeah, essentially. yeah. I, I agree. He's a five. I like like you said though. I, I I would listen to an argument if he said he was a weekly starter. Okay. Uh, Jamar Chase, five, five. five. Lock, lineup lock, lock him in. Okay. T Higgins. Lock him in. Lock him in. Lock him in. Oh, I lock him in. I don't know. You guys want to make an argument for I, I, I think there's an argument to be made that he's a four, but I think for purposes right now, he's a five. I, right I, I really like him for this season. Yeah. I'm grading I like him going forward, too, of Dynasty. I just, yeah. Everybody loves I, Jamar Chase, and I just feel like T. Higgins might be just slightly undervalued. Like, you look at the back half. Like, he dealt with some injuries in the beginning of the season last year, and you look at his back half production-wise, he was, he was putting up some numbers. It is, look at weeks 12 – through 16 with the dud in there being week 15. Yeah. Went over 100 yards every game. Yeah. I, think I just want to keep in mind that week he had a dud. That wasn't specific to him. Jamar Chase also had a dud in week 15. I can't remember what that game was, but something was going on there because Jamar Chase had 1.3 fantasy points that week and T. Higgins had 4.3. So they combined for, you know, less. Bur- Burrow went 15 for 22 for 157. Yeah. 
so that was you know I can't remember what game that was but that, up right now. that was not a good game for them so yeah like you said I mean here's the thing T. Higgins wide receiver 13 last year that's it they're being the beginning of the season he, he missed two games up, missed two games and took a little bit of time to get adjusted and then he lit it up and I don't know how you don't you look at his numbers what he did and you're like how do you not want to start him every week in the games that they played together so if you exclude two games where he was injured he actually out targeted Jamar Chase and this is something where like I don't want to sound like I'm down on Jamar Chase Jamar Chase was highly efficient last year like he was getting three catches for a hundred yards and, a, and two touchdowns and things like that and so there might be some regression as some touchdown regression from Chase that goes to hit Higgins. I'm not. I'm still don't know. I'm not moving Higgins ahead of Chase, but I think I'm not. I'm not moving. I can't move Higgins any further than like where he finished last year as a top 13, and I've he has the potential to finish as a top 10. I I wouldn't be surprised if they both finished as wide receiver ones. I really wouldn't. At both in the side, the top 12, top 10, would not be surprised. Me neither. So, yeah. I mean that. So we'll go with a five for Higgins as well. He's uh, Tyler Boyd had the most catches that week, uh, where both. What's his name? Uh, yeah, he had six catches or five catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, I, I can't, I don't remember what, who were who they playing that week? They what played was? against the Broncos. Uh, I just had the game highlights on. It looked like it was a normal day. Um, it was 13. in Denver. Certain uh, put the clamps on them. December, it was in December, so I mean, it could have been really December, cold. December in Denver. Yeah, but nothing, just uh, a bad game, looks like. Pat Certain yeah. put the shackles on, locked them down. Yeah. Just just one of those dud games that a team has for yeah, the season that could happen to anybody. And Barrow seemed to not have a great day. I mean, he made yeah. 15 for 22 is good, but. That was, what, mm. that was probably what, like a 20 to 17 game? It was 15 to 10. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway. All right, so then. Uh, let's go on. Next wide receiver is Tyler Boyd. Flex. Flex. That's Three. what I was thinking as well. Three. I could see an argument for it, too, because, I mean, I don't know how often you actually start it. The thing would be, I don't know which weeks I would start Tyler Boyd, you know what I mean, absent an injury to one of the other two guys. So I could see an argument for it, too, but let's go three. And then wide receiver for Mike Thomas. Does Mike Thomas have any one. value? Yeah. One. I was going to say, this isn't like – I can't imagine that Tyler – like Who? Mike Thomas? Who is that? <laughs> not Michael Thomas. Mike Thomas, yeah, exactly. He's their wide receiver for – again, I just – if something happens – happens to Higgins or Chase, Tyler Boyd is there. If something happens to Tyler Boyd, I don't think he's getting enough value to, you know, be kind of a substitute. You need essentially two of the top wide receivers to go down for him to have some sort of value, and then I'd put him at a, maybe three at best. So he's a one. So that's the wide receivers. Move on to tight ends. Uh, they acquired Hayden Hurst this offseason after having C.J. Ozama last year. C.J. Ozama was... He was a tight end. He was an eight. He was a tight end in the eight to twelve range last year. I'm, again, is I? I mean, it can't hurt to have a piece of the offense, but I. I'm not comfortable with Hayden Hurst being my starting wide receiver. He's definitely not a five. Sorry, tight end. Tight end. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm starting tight end. I'm fluctuating between whether I want to call him a stash or a flex because I, I don't know like how much is the tight end going to get used with the with the wide receivers they have. Yeah, and Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon catching pace. Yeah, I'd call him a two. I, I, that this is a wait and see because That's fair. with the tight end position as well, like. 
I'm not drafting him to be my starter right now, I and that, I don't think that I'm drafting him to be a second tight end for me if something yeah, happens. You know I what I mean? He he can sit on waivers, and I'll claim him. And if if somebody else does put him on their team to stash him, I'm not like upset that I'm I'm missing out because again, even what Uzama did last year wasn't like consistent. You know, runaway production. I mean, we can take a look at 26 it. 26 receptions last year for 221 and three touchdowns for Hayden Hurst. Yeah. And TJ Uzama on the Bengals, he had 49 catches last year for 493 yards and five touchdowns. He had three games. He had three games with double digit fantasy points last year, CJ Uzama. That's it. Just three. So, yeah, I think he's firmly uh, a stash unless we see him develop a role on this offense. Yeah. Anyway. Or, no, I'm sorry. He's here. Yeah. Well, so, fair enough. So, CJ is on. We're gonna, or Hayden Hurst, we're going to give it to uh, Drew Sample then, his backup. We're going to give that a one. Yeah. He's not worth, you know, mentioning. Uh, maybe something in Dynasty, but uh, I'd probably – no, we're not getting into it. So, uh, let's move on to the running backs. We've got Joe Mixon. Or, I'm sorry, we didn't do Brandon Allen, the backup quarterback. One, I mean, even if if something does happen to Burrow, God forbid, you know, I'm do you kidding. even no. want Brandon Allen? No. no. Yeah, no exactly. All right, to the we backs. just mentioned it because, just to be thorough, there are situations where you may want to have the backup quarterback, where the quarterback backup quarterback may have some viability, or maybe there's a competition somewhere. That's why we're including the backup quarterback. So, um Joe Mixon, five. Yeah, you're starting him. Yeah. You have him, you're starting him. P. Ryan, his backup. So here's an interesting thing. P. Ryan and Chris Evans have been competing for the backup role. It seems like P. Ryan still has the leg up from what I'm hearing out of training camp, but Chris Evans has been impressing people, as what I'm also hearing. So You see them both as twos as a stash for now? What do you think? And... Uh, yeah, they're definitely not flex plays. I didn't know if the only argument could be made that one of them is a one and one's a two. Or uh, I mean, you're not going to stash them both on your yeah, team. Yeah, whoever loses that job becomes. I'd rather a have so many other handcuffs in the league than uh, P. Ryan and uh, whoever else it is. I feel like P. Ryan felt it, felt in admirably. In the... Yeah, no, I, I think he did okay, but I think when you're looking at that level of player, there's other players I'd rather have in contested backfields. So, I won't disagree Brad, necessarily on that. I Harris. Uh, but Damian Harris operating as the one, so you'd want Ramondre Stevenson. I'd rather have Damian Stevens. Harris operating as the two behind Ramondre Stevenson than... P. Ryan. Okay. I just, again, based yeah. off of what's the reporting and all, it seems like Damian Harris will be operating, will be operating as the one. What that means for the Patriots is I think that's And then, <laughs> I, again, I'm just telling you what the report is and what the depth chart says. I'm not I'm not saying that that's how it's going to go throughout yeah. the course of the season, but, again, that's something that we're – like, that's more of a, a, a competition between a start – like, between the starting role. Though. Right. This is the competition in the backup, which is why I might be more inclined to do a two-and-a-one situation because, like, you're not going to stash both these guys on there, so which yeah. guy would you kind of stash, or are they both kind of the same thing? So P Ryan, because yeah. I, hey, in my yeah. opinion, yeah. I'll, I'll give a two to P Ryan and. Chris Evans is something to watch, but again, in, in a 10 or 12 team redraft league, I don't know that I'm, if I'm drafting right now, I'm not using a roster spot on yeah, him at this moment. Yeah. I think I could pick him up if something happens in training camp. And and again, like P. Ryan filled in admirably, but he didn't, he wasn't necessarily Joe Mixon. I mean, in the games he filled in, he had 11 rushing attempts both times. He had decent yardage with them, but I mean, 
Yeah. You I know, mean, the bagels look good. <laughs> so. The bagels on um, look solid. And, you know, in all honesty, I, keep an eye on Chris Evans. That's what I'd say. If Chris Evans emerges as a two, I'd feel better about him than I might have Samaj P. Ryan, where Samaj P. Ryan's borderline won't, like you said. But again, I'm more interested in Samaj P. Ryan as Joe Mixon's backup than I would be in Chris McCaffrey's backup, whoever that may be, Chuba right. Hubbard, or whoever that is. So that's why I'm not as ready to say one on that, because I think he could, if he had to fill in, provide some value. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that wraps it up for the Bengals uh, as far as their roster goes. Let's just, is there any you know notes you want to say anything at the moment, Rich, or is no, to move on to the next team? Let's move into the next team. We're going to go to the Cleveland Browns. So this one might be a little trickier <laughs> due to the quarterback situation. A lot tougher than the Bengals situation. So let's start with Deshaun Watson. That's not even easy. Deshaun Watson. So let's start with this. Deshaun Watson is going to miss at least six games. They did not appeal their side. So the six-game suspension Sue Robinson handed down will happen. It will happen at some point in the 2022 NFL season, whether there's talk that they might get an injunction. But the problem with the injunction is the last time that, you know, like Zeke and Tom Brady got an injunction for their suspension, it was because the entire suspension was up for debate. You know what I mean? Whereas right now the six games is set in stone and whether or not it's anything beyond that is not. So I don't, we know he's missing at least six games. It With what the NFL is doing, it seems like it's probably going to be the season, or uh, at least they're going to 12 games, where we kind of agree upon that. So you're getting, what, five games out of Deshaun Watson, maybe towards the end of the season, or maybe week one or two if there is an injunction before the suspension is fully. Or, if they're having I, not played for hell, uh, it's not a situation I want any parts of. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too, and because I know things have been differently, especially – because we view it different, and I know just prior to this, like, there was talk of him being drafted earlier because of his potential and all that, even though we kind of knew his suspension was coming. I think more than six games is going to happen, so I just, I, I don't know. <coughs> like, if I had to draft today as after we wrapped up this podcast, I don't want Deshaun Watson as my starting quarterback. Um... It's debatable whether or not you want to stash him on your bench in case something happens, but you'd probably essentially be holding on to him for, what, 12 games before you're able to use him? Is that the best use of a roster spot? Probably not. Do you want to call it a stash? I, I won't argue with you. Do you want to call it a one? I'm cool with it. I'm going to call it a one for me. Uh, I just, personally, too, I just don't know how much I want to do. The, like you said, even if he comes back, he will have not played football for well over a year going on close to, you know, what it'll be. Like, you know, depending on how suspension is, what, almost two years since he's played an NFL game? Like, what are we expecting on a team that is also supposed to be very run heavy as well? Now, I know you trade all that and sign for him and this, that, and the other thing. But the bottom line is your top receivers right now are Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, and Anthony Schwartz. So I don't know that you want to throw the ball 50 times a game either necessarily. So I, I, I'm going to go with a one for Watson. Do you disagree? or No, I'm just going to say it was cool if you wanted to say he was a stash or you know something you didn't want anything to do with it. I'm on, I'm on board with you. Does Jacoby Brissett have any value to you knowing that you know he's going to play at least six games? Uh, even, let's say – 
Deshaun Watson spent it for the full season, Jacoby Brissett's going to start all 17 games for them. No. Are you starting Jacoby Brissett? I want uh, to. I mean, if you're in a super flex league, you might have to. But if we're talking just a straight what, one quarterback league, no, I, I don't want to. There's, so, yeah. there's 27 other quarterback situations I think I'd take over. So we'll go with a one for that. Right, yeah. Like We look at every team's starter, and Jacoby Brissett's the starter for the How many teams do we go through before we get to him as the as the guy we want? Like, you know, I might be more inclined to invest in, you know, like Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, either one of those guys who could, even though we don't know who's going to be the starter, we think Baker Mayfield's going to be. But, like, again, if I, even if we're saying Baker Mayfield's the starter, I'd be more inclined to maybe grab Sam Darnold because he could actually grab that job and have some sort of production. Whereas I'm just, I don't really have any confidence in Jacoby Brissett to light it up, but between the way the offense is designed and the, and the pass catchers that they have. So, speaking of the pass catchers, let's get into that. They traded for Amari Cooper this offseason. They traded Peanuts to get him. We've talked about that before. He is currently listed to operate as the wide receiver one. However, he is entering that late a late part of his career. Where There's a train wreck waiting to happen. Yeah. This, this is tough because if, if Watson was playing, I think you have to have him as a lock. Yeah, me too. But I, this is sucks. Train wreck waiting to happen. Fall page plus questionable, questionable QB. Oh, buddy, man, I'm playing Dynasty right now. I'm worried. This is my problem. Is Amari Cooper's on Dallas Cowboys last season, who were number one, you know, the number one offense because they put up the most yards in the NFL. Uh, they're pretty high-scoring offense as well, supposedly, because they had some games that kind of skew their scoring. Amari uh, Cooper was not even a wide receiver two last year on a pass-heavy team with you know Dak Prescott at quarterback. And now he goes to the Cleveland Browns, where, again, even if Deshaun Watson was starting full full season, you got the drop-off age. He wasn't productive last year. He was traded for next to nothing, and it's a run-heavy team. I, I If I'm starting, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable. I'm definitely, even with Deshaun Watson as a starter, I'm not comfortable with him as my wide receiver one, is what I'm saying. So, at most, he's a four for me and probably a three is what I was looking at. Okay. So, let me tell you why I think it's a little bit different than it is the opportunities. Like you said, you named the wide receivers when we started. Who was he really competing with? Like, I just feel like he's going to get fed. But again, in a pass-heavy offense last year, where his only real competition was C.D. Lamb because Michael Gallup went down with an injury, he like he did, he went down towards the end of the year. He didn't produce much throughout the course. Dalton Schultz had a good season. I'm not comfortable with him as my wide receiver one. Deshaun Watson was the full season. Luckily, Deshaun Watson's not even the starter for the full season, so we can so, yeah, not really spend like, too much time arguing about the hypothetical. We're like an old man yelling in the cloud right now. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. But I just, I mean, I kind of want to get my opinions about some of that out there too. Is that I wouldn't have felt good about the number one wide receiver for the Browns this season, even Deshaun Watson was starting for the full season um, because it was because of who the options are. Yeah, and I don't want him as my wide receiver one, but I'd be, I'd be comfortable with him starting him every week. So Deshaun Watson is missing at least six games. We think it'll probably be at least 12. Yeah, so that, I, we, this was under our hypothetical that Deshaun was playing. Right, no, that's why I'm, I'm switching us yeah. back to rea- yeah, the so reality of the situation. Change gears. The reality is minimum six games. Deshaun Watson's gone probably at least 12. <laughs> so where's Amari Cooper at now? Jacoby Brissett's thrown passes to him for half the season. Flex. 
Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You can't feel comfortable starting him every week. No. I, mean, I imagine there's probably some weeks where there's a good matchup where he, yeah. he eats. Well, yeah, you'll have to evaluate the situation after like two weeks. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So that's, that's where he's hovering in between that three. Am I stashing him to count on him to fill in for a guy who's missing? Or am I stashing him on my bench to see how things unfold through the season? That's the difference, like, to me between the three and the two. Is again, we're like. I'm drafting Russell Gage. I'm not thinking about whether or not like Russell. I'm drafting Russell Gage not to be a starter, but to fill in when one of my starters is out because a drop off's not going to be ten points like it might be in other situations. So this is a situation where I feel like the drop off between Amari Cooper and the wide receivers we're placing could be more than like the four or five points it might be with somebody like Gage. So I'll, I'll let you guys decide. It's a two, three, where are we fall on. Let's put him as a three. Put him as a three. Yeah, we can always revisit. So. Somebody to have on your roster possibly to fill in as a flex, but not somebody you need to have on your roster as a starter. And again, there's going to be a lot of guys that get threes that can fill in at that flex play position. A lot of them are going to be wide receivers. So uh, let's move on then to the other wide receivers. So if that's how we feel about Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones and David Bell. So Donovan Peoples Jones is listed as the three. David Bell, or I'm t- sorry, Donovan Peoples Jones is listed as the two. David Bell is listed as the three, and Anthony Schwartz is listed as the four. Do any of these guys have any interest? Do you disagree with the order? Do you think David Bell should be above him? Do you think it ultimately doesn't really matter? You're not banking on a second Browns wide receiver anyway. I mean, I don't think... I don't think the second wide receiver would be too rough, especially what we're predicting with the quarterback situation. I mean, if... If we got the wide receiver one as a flex play, how can we? How do we feel about that? Uh, David Bell? I feel is a possible stash as a two. Yeah. Um, Peoples Jones, probably the same. Yeah, and so so he keeps getting the buzz as the possibility and all that. So that's what I, I was gonna say. I think I might give those guys a two, whereas like maybe stash them. Like if you're in a camp like me where you don't feel good about Amari Cooper because of his age and his injury and his lack of production recently, you wanna, you and you think that Bell or Peoples Jones, one like like Amari Cooper is not gonna be the one. One of these guys might emerge as the one, and that might have some values so depending on which guy. So, we yeah, have two for each of them. Two, two, one. I don't know how you feel about Schwartz. Schwartz, I'll give a one. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think he he has higher draft pedigree than Donovan Peoples Jones, but I mean he's he's behind him on the depth chart two years in a row. So sorry. Um, move on to the tight end position: David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, tight end one, tight end two. I'm gonna think I'm giving them twos. I don't know that. I'm thinking Joku's a stash. I two with Brissett likely to play. I think there's some potential there for him to get some underneath work. Just check down and all that. But but that's again, it's a wait and see. Yeah, that's that's where I was ultimately falling. So two and a one for the tight end position, running back position. So we've got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Dearness Johnson. Nick Chubb, I think it's a five, right? You have him, you're starting him, not really thinking about it. Are you going to have two running backs on your team you're starting over Nick Chubb? Most likely not. Most likely not. Yeah. That's kind of my argument. Wide receiver, it's more flexible with that because there is a chance that you have, like, a wide receiver we talked about, like a T. Higgins, but you could get T. Higgins as your third wide receiver, maybe, possibly, depending on your draft. And I, don't, I wouldn't – it's not going to happen in a league that I'm in. But uh, just a situation like that where we had a little bit more debate about it, whereas, I like, running backs, it's kind of harder. Like, I don't know that I'm going to have two running backs I'm starting ahead of Nick Chubb on my team. Right. Like, two running backs plus Nick Chubb. Like, 
you going to running back your first three picks? Probably. But, I mean, if you – weekly starter, I could see an argument for it. I mean, we're, we're down on the offense as a whole, it looks like. I mean, with the – I was down more on the passing part of the offense. The, so, if we're – say that comes to fruition. Or, or are the – the run game not looking at more stacked boxes, more keying in on stopping Nick Chubb in the run game, killing the play action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just that's what happened to him last year, though, as well. You know what I mean? And yeah. So I guess like if you want to say all that and couple it with the fact that I, you know, I think Nick Chubb is another one of those guys that has their history of missing one or two games a season can due we, to some lower body injuries, can right? We, can so. we change the rules and call him a four point five? <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> that's fine. We're splitting hairs. Yeah. We'll call, him, we'll call him a five. Yeah. We'll call him a five. If you have Nick Chubb, you should be starting Nick Chubb. If you, you know, I, I don't know if he's making it. Maybe he makes it to the third round. But, again, you would have to go running back, running back, and, all, or, you know, running back all three picks in order to get that. And other people have valued wide receivers more. So, it's a, I think it's a very rare circumstance that you have two running backs you're starting over Nick Chubb while having Nick Chubb. So, uh, Kareem Hunt's a different sort of beast. He's the backup. We've seen him fill in admirably for him. There's some – There's have some standalone value though outside of being a handcuff he sure does so i like him as a flex what about you yeah i was gonna say he's at minimum he's a flex i could see an argument maybe for a four where if you're the kind of person who waits on running backs if you're picking towards the back end of the first round and you don't like the running backs available to you in the eight to twelve range that you're going to be picking and you have to wait until the third and fourth round to grab your top two running backs like I don't want him as my one, like you said, but if he had to start for me on a weekly basis at RB2, I don't feel great, but I don't feel like this guy's going to – like, I don't feel like this guy's going to give me five or six points a week. I think he has a safe floor of roughly around ten points a week. Right? Is that fair? I can get on board with a four. That's great podcasting. So, um, <laughs> yeah, in the first six weeks when he was fully healthy and playing, I mean, 17 points, six points, 27, 16, uh, 25, 10. So even – and I believe Nick Chubb was playing in most of those games. I think Nick Chubb might have missed two of those games at some point, but – Chubb missed six and seven. He missed week six. Only one game that he missed that overlapped. And then, you know, Kareem Hunt uh, got hurt as well in week seven. So week six is the only week he missed that he played. And that was actually, you know, his second worst week. He only got 10.8 points. So I believe he got banged up towards the end of that as well. So even when Nick Chubb was there, he's kind of got the pass catching value. So again, I think he, ideally he's operating as your flex, but he could, if you need to be an RB2. So do you want three or four? And I I feel like I keep forcing you one way. Uh, no, you decide. I, I think I, I picked the last one with um, the wide receivers. Schwartz is the one, I think. Uh, so with Hunt, we'll go with a three. Three? Okay. We'll go with he's a flex play. If you have to use him as your RB2, though, it's not the worst situation in the world. Upside. Yeah. Especially because it, if Nick, be week, he, if, especially if you consider the upside, if Nick Chubb goes out. He's, he's running backs, though. Chubb's a 4.5 and Hunt's a 3.5. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dearness Johnson. So when Dearness Johnson had to fill in Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb out, he looked pretty good. Now the chan- now you'd be banking on again one or both those guys being out for him to become fantasy relevant. So I'm I'm going with a two. I mean we gave yeah. Cream Hunt a three. I don't think we can give Dearness Johnson any more than a two at yeah. that. And that's fair. Yep. In a redraft two, that might be kind of pushing it. Yeah, he's a bubble guy, roster bubble guy. Yeah. In redraft. He might be a one and a half. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. 4.5, 3.5, 1.5. We're, we're really sticking to the radius system here. <laughs> 
this is the fluid show. We we make the rules. The rating yeah. system can be whatever we want it to be. We can go to a quarter of a point. We can go to a tenth of a point if you guys want. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So are we actually count. I was kidding. Are we actually counting them? As no, I didn't put. Oh, no, I'm not putting it. Doesn't matter. Just for, uh, Keep my maths. Keep our maths simple, man. <laughs> All right. So we got what? The Ravens next. We've got the Ravens next. So Lamar Jackson. Five. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Got him. You're starting him. Tyler Huntley. Two. Two. Filled in admirably for him. Not drafting to be. Not drafting in a two quarterback league. You're probably drafting maybe to replace Lamar Jackson if something happens, or you know what I mean. Like I mean, he's a deep league stash if you have Lamar Jackson. But absent having Lamar Jackson, you don't want you don't you're not stashing him on your roster. I mean, so that's why a two as opposed to a three. In a one quarterback league, do we want to be carrying backups? No, I mean he's a one. If like, I mean, I, I'm not carrying him a redraft. All those. Right, so you want to give him a one? Yeah, yeah I want to give him a one. Yeah, one. That's fine. I, he filled an average. Don't get yeah. me wrong. He, I like Again, I, so I, just, so I, so I was just saying, if it was a deep, if there's it was 31 a, other quarterbacks. If it was a 12, yeah. 14 team league. May, and you have Lamar Jackson, maybe you want Tyler Huntley as insurance. Okay. But that again, that was a very specific situation that I laid out there. So mm-hmm. I have no problem saying one okay. because right. absent that situation. Fair enough. Cool. So J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards at running back. Mike Davis is listed as the three. So, there's a couple things to dissect. Yes, there's a lot. Who's the, who's, who's the RB1? There's speculation Dobbins might not be ready. They're saying Gus yeah. Edwards won't be ready. If they Mike, were all healthy, is Mike, this is the correct order. Yeah, J.K. yeah, for Dobbins, sure. But we don't know they're all healthy. We don't know they're all healthy. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins looks like he has a shot to play week one. It seems like at this point Gus Edwards will not be available for week one. Yeah. How much longer he misses is up for it. But I think if we're at this point and they're saying that like he's probably not ready for week one, I think we can expect him to miss the first month of the season, probably close to it. Gus Edwards is what I would be projecting. If in the beginning of August, tell me you don't think four weeks from now that he could be ready for week one, then I don't some know. Ways away. He, yeah. he has, you know, some some weeks after that to recover. You know, it's probably a five to six recovery line, and then you want to get him in practice for a week and see how he is. I'd imagine he's missing about three games or so. I think it's just going, like, for me, it's Dobbins as a four. Um, Edwards is a three, and Mike Davis is, is a two, but... Um, yeah, no, that's like so the, like a hard. The, the debate with Dobbins is four versus three. Are yeah, you comfortable with sure. Dobbins being in your lineup on a weekly basis? Like if you draft him to be your RB two. If he, you to take the injury aside. If he's healthy, I'm absolutely comfortable. Yeah. So if it comes out that he's all good to go and let's go week one, sure, he's a weekly yeah. starter. Okay. Yep. So, and you think he has upside, right? Like, we've talked about this before. We think, he, especially in a run-heavy offense. Yeah, so. which I think they're going to trend to. They traded away Marquise so. Brown. They, the wide receiver, the weapons aren't fantastic on the outside. You know, they got Bateman and Andrews. So, the outside of that is some question marks. And So, even though there's a question mark about he'll be ready for week one, we think it'll be happening. But, so, that's one of those things where, like, maybe he misses week one, but he's back for week two. And, like, you know, how many running backs are going to miss a game or two throughout the yeah. course of the season? How much do you want to dock him for that? Um, the upside, like you said, is there is a really run-heavy thing. So I think going him a four is a really good balance between the downside, which I think maybe he misses a week or two and then takes a little time to get back, and then he operates as an RB2 for the rest of 
rest of the season, which is fine. If he only if he misses two three weeks and then op, or two weeks and operates as an RB two all season for you, that's what you're going to get out of most RB twos. And then there's the upside that he could potentially you know have some RB one weeks. Right. So yeah. So we'll lock in that at four. Gus Edwards with more question. Uh, Stash, I think, right? Yeah. I, I, I can't draft him to be a flex play if I think yeah, he's yeah, missing the right. first three to yeah. four. So you're hoping maybe he returns value on the back half of the season? Right. And at that point, I think if – I think the people – other people have questions too with the health where, like, there will be other people that they – I think he should be available on waivers for you to pick up is the kind of the trade-off I make there with some of those guys where if, like, I think this guy can make it to waivers then. Uh, Mike Davis. Mike Davis. Interesting thing that I'm kind of thinking about with him is that he holds no value, I think, as after week two or three, but well, not no, but very low value. But honestly, maybe a guy to take a stab at at the very end of your draft, especially depending on your redraft timing. Like if if it's still very questionable about the other two running backs, you maybe take a you just take Mike Davis for week one with your last one of your last picks if you can, you know. I think that I agree with the two rating, where it's like not even so much later, but like if I again, if I had to draft as soon as this podcast was over, there is a very real chance that Gus Edwards is out for three to four weeks. Yep. This is a team that has used running back by committee before, and there's with the possibility J.K. Dobbins may or not be banged up. Maybe they give. Much There's a bigger game, yeah. split in the workload to start the season. So, like mm-hmm. you said, he has some value at the start. So, he's a stash. He would be a stash and, like, use him for the first I think he's a week, great five RB weeks. zero type target late. Yeah. Like, get you through for a couple Yeah, weeks. exactly. Where you're just – where you're kind of, like, in that, like, I'm going to stream the guy that's hot, like, run the hot hand if I can get him off waivers, you know. Yeah. But – Okay. Anyway, let's move on to the pass catchers here. <laughs> this should be a pretty quick one. Um, so Rashad Bateman, somewhere between a three and a four for me. But yeah, I lean more towards three myself. Yeah. I think I, I could flex, find flex fire. Yeah, I think I could yeah. find 20, 25 other wide receivers yeah. that I could I think be three, more comfortable. Assessment. Uh, so that'll tell you pretty much what to expect for the rest of the wide receivers who are currently listed as wide receiver two, Devin Duvernay, uh, wide receiver three, James. James uh, Prochet, and the wide receiver for Tylen Wallace. I think we can so, just go ahead and give them all ones. Is yeah. there any debate here for anybody? Um, I give uh, Prochet a two. Reports coming out of camp are that he's he looks like he's probably going to be the second wide receiver. Okay. Um, I don't know how valuable that'll be, but it, it's it's a deeper league. Maybe he's worth a little something. Last pick type guy. Yeah, yeah. For for you, like you said, like a fourteen or sixteen team league. I'll go with the two again. I just don't know that if I was drafting it today, if I if I'm using a roster spade on James Prochet, who yeah. might be the Ravens uh, wide receiver. That's team. a good point. Let's call him one. Fair enough. You go overrule. I overruled a couple. <laughs> overruled. Uh, it's not overruling. This is a democratic process. Uh, sorry, not tight ends. Uh, no tight ends. Yeah, the, we we gave all the wide receivers okay. a one, one except for Hector Rashad Bateman. Bateman. Uh, Mark Andrews five. five. Nick Boyle. I don't know that he has any value filling I, in behind him. Yeah, yeah. Um, they got a couple rookie teams. Yeah, I was going to say they drafted some likely rookies. That was something we debated. We have Isaiah, likely, yeah. and then what was it, Otten? Was he? No, not Otten. Kohler, Charlie Kohler. There you go. Um, but, yeah. Um, so the then team? this is one of those things to debate. Would you put one of them in here instead of Boyle? Possibly likely over Boyle. He's been impressing. I don't know if that means he's going to – 
Nick Boyle no, was take. not their was not their two last year. I believe their two last year was Josh Oliver. A lot more to be excited and, about with. Yeah. Uh, but even so, he's probably. If you're asking who's Josh Oliver, that's a great question. Like, but like the point you made earlier, I don't know if I, I'm using a roster spot on him right now. After the, if we were to draft right yeah. after this podcast, yeah, he's well, just he's been impressing a little bit more for the, the dynasty stuff. On this list. Gotcha. Huh? I love the next name we have on this list. I'm, I'm so glad we get to talk about this guy. Just to recap right there, Andrews is a five. Whatever tight end you want to put in as the as the you know the second tight end for the Ravens, they're they're a one. They're not worth stashing at the moment. They have no standalone value. Only maybe if Mark Andrews goes down, would you want to consider them? And at that point, I think they might shift to actually using their wide receivers more because you're looking at two rookies and a new guy on the team and uh, Nick Boyle. They they get a little creative with uh, Devin Duvernay back there when when necessary. It seems like yeah, more so. gadget role though. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. So then uh, on to what uh, Mike is looking forward to. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're going to start <laughs> off with who is currently listed as QB1, and that is Mitchell Trubisky. So, obviously the big debate here is we have Mitchell Trubisky, who was brought in and signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we also have Kenny Pickett, who was drafted in the first round this year by the Pittsburgh yeah, Steelers. He's third on the depth chart, Pittsburgh released. I know that... Uh, Mason Rudolph's listed as two on our depth chart. Do you honestly think that Mason Rudolph has beaten out both these guys to start for the Steelers this season? Crazier things have happened. Uh, okay. That would be so funny. It really would be hilarious. I'm rooting for it. If I, if I said split up the percentages that guys become the starting quarterback for the Steelers. No. You have Is to it likely? The Absolutely not. It's at the, the ESPN, again, because you said the Steelers released yeah, one. This was ESPN's depth chart, which is, again, may be less accurate than theirs, which, again, you have Rudolph List as the backup at the moment. Okay, congratulations. Like, <laughs> Pickett, <laughs> Pickett's more likely to earn the starting role than Rudolph is. I think if they felt Rudolph could be the starting quarterback for them – they wouldn't have signed Trubisky so, and drafted Kenny Pickett. Rudolph's the two now because if any if anything happens to Trubisky in the meantime, Pickett's not just ready, not ready just yet. But once Pickett's right. ready, he'll so, be the number two and then eventually the number one. Yeah. So um, Mitchell Trubisky, what are we giving him as far as a uh, rating? Are, are you starting? Mitchell, you're not starting Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, reports out of training camp is he's not doing well. Are you like again? He's a one, dude. It, <laughs> He's a one. Yeah. <laughs> the only way you can debate that he's a two is that it's like they start off hot. Yeah, like one QB, off, he's a one. And in Superflex, yeah. I mean, yeah, he may have a little something right, there. Yeah. But, but uh, we don't need to spend too much. No, it's, a, it's a poor offensive one. line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know the offensive tend to have been productive. But QBs I mean, are crashing. The backup quarterback. Like, how do we feel about yeah, the Steelers' yeah. backup quarterback? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm worried about that. Yeah. Last season, Big Ben, <laughs> Big ben had, what, three, five... <laughs> Big Ben had eight games where he had double-digit fantasy points last season, which means he had, you know, he missed a game, so he had eight games where he didn't hit double-digit, and that was Big Ben. And so I know Mitch has more athletically. I would think that Big Ben still had more up top, and as far as you know, between uh, you know between the years goes, I agree with you with a one. I'm not back up. I'm not putting. I'm not stashing one. There's other quarterbacks. I'd rather stash Trevor Lawrence or something. A thousand like other that quarterbacks, than, yeah. dude. All right, let's just move on. Sorry, I didn't mean to put Trubisky out there with J.K. Tower. Any, let's but, move are on we, from this. Are we stashing Kenny Pickett by any chance? Is there? Are you in a two quarterback two league quarterback or, or, super or a super flex, flex where? Sure, I could see the the logic behind it. Maybe you would. I can. But, uh, 
And a one quarterback, no. He's gonna, he's gonna, you're gonna show me first. Okay, so he's a two. He's a stash in a deeper in a, in a deeper league or a, a super flex league. Yeah. But it's purely an upside play. It's not a stash and like count on him to fill in for you sort of thing. So he's a one and a half. Uh, Najee Harris, five. Yeah. Lock him in. Lock him in. You got him. You're playing him. Now the backup situation there, running back. I mean, can you read the tea leaves and figure it out? Yeah, I look into the crystal ball and see the answer. Even if I could, even if I could firmly tell you which one of them's the backup, I don't know that it matters to me. I don't know that they've at any point shown filling in for some like when they had to fill in for James Conner. Did did were you like what did they do? Not that that was two years ago, but again, like I just. Najee Harris played every game for them. He had all the carry. He hardly ever came out. I mean, if we want to go and look at like the you know the distribution there with the uh, carries and all between the running backs, I mean, it's just it's it was insane what like Najee had. So Steelers backups, running backs, one for for all. Sure, I, yeah. I have no confidence. Sure, in that. I'm not. I'm that. I'm not gonna fight you any which way. Let's move on to the pass catchers with have a have a little bit more nuanced discussion. Uh, Deontay Johnson. He's uh, at least a four, four but with the argument to be yeah. a five. Oh, I was going to go the other way. I was going to go to f- f- yeah. I, I, I would say he's at least a four. Yeah, I would say he's at least a four as well. R- Rich, you're, you're hesitating here. Four. Four point five. Four point he's five, in between yeah. that four five. Whatever you want to give him, if you want to give him five. Be more down on him. Nah, he's just he's gonna get his. Yeah, he's yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, operate as a the quick on it, especially their offensive yeah. line still not. not he that he good. is a good receiver. You should just. Yeah. I, I I am worried about the the pa- passing portion of this offense, but just, if anybody's gonna excel in it, it should be him. I'm my concerns more move towards like again just with. The con- we talked about it off air, but the contract that he signed with them—that we should mention—that Deontay Johnson signed a contract extension with the Pittsburgh Steelers recently. He got, you know, a uh, two-year, thirty-six point thirty-six point seven million dollar contract that comes to be out to be eighteen point three five million a year. We were talking about this off air because that's essentially the kind of deal that Christian Kirk got, whereas every other wide receiver that was signed after that got more. And the Steelers don't pay their wide receivers, but I feel like. He could have gotten more if he'd gone somewhere. It's also only a two-year deal, so he could be out of there quickly. And uh, it just—it it made me think that maybe the focal point of the offense might be shifting in the next season or two, or maybe starting sooner. Especially with how good George Pickens looked in Pickens without Deontay Johnson there. So does George Pickens come in and eat into some of his timeshare? That's why I move away from a five. But I still think if Deontay Johnson is my number two wide receiver, I'm great with that. Like I think that's Super you know. So at minimum, I want to say okay. a four. Or so I give it to you. You mentioned Pickens. I just want to say I think I'm more worried about what Pickens does to Claypool. Than he does with Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Again, I just think Deontay Johnson got like a, an insane amount of volume last year, and I think maybe with a quarterback who can put the ball more downfield, he might be more inclined to do so. And some of those easier catches Deontay Johnson got goes away, and so a slight decrease in volume, but not like a huge one. Like that. Yeah. I'm talking about a target and a half a game or something like that. You know? Okay. So I think we've settled uh, for him. Yeah. Uh, four for. What do you guys think about uh, Claypool? I'm down on Claypool. I don't know you guys are. I'm at a two at best. I'm not drafting him, counting him to be a flex play for me or fill in for yeah. somebody. He's He seems to have fallen out of favor. They drafted George Pickens in the second round. George Pickens has been killing a camp. Like you said, like, in addition to the hype for George Pickens, it seems like that's what they specifically drafted him for was to replace Chase Claypool. And, and I mean, we talk about the Steelers don't like to pay their wide receivers. They just signed Deontay Johnson to this deal. Chase Claypool is a free agent after this year, I believe. Is like, what is he in their long-term 
plans, and if he's not really in their long-term plans, how much is Mike – like, you know, how much effort does Mike Tomlin want to put into incorporating him into the offense this season? It's not like the running back really. Like, we have him. He's expensive. We have to use him. He's a cheap wide receiver on his rookie contract, and we just got two other cheap wide receivers on their rookie contract, and I can move on from this guy and not feel bad about it because that's what the Steelers do with wide receivers too. So, uh, two at best with the argument for a one. What do you? Where do you come down? I'm good with two. Yeah. Wait and see. Same for Pickens and Calvin Austin. Yeah, so I have all three of them at two. I think it's the, yeah. The, my own, ah, the only argument could be Pickens for possibly a three. But, again, I couldn't draft him at this point in a redraft league yeah. saying I'm going to f- put this guy in my flex or, like, I can count on this guy to fill in for whoever's yeah. out. Can I overrule one? Yeah. Should I put Calvin Olsen at a one? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Okay. When I'm thinking redraft, yeah. You I mean, you were the one who decided we were going with two of them off the bat, so. Yeah, and redraft it might be a little harder. For, uh, second thought, I'm like, I, yeah. am I really drafting him? No. no. Probably not. Not. So, uh, I think we are drafting Pat Fryermuth, though. I think he's in that. I think he's a five. He's a lot. He should be a lineup lock, and like he should be drafted to be your starting tight end. I don't think there's any. He might be moving in that top five, six area, right? I mean, when we just think about the tight ends that are there, I think he's like top ten, probably. Well, he's definitely be. top ten. But uh, the question is whether or not he's crossing into that top six, five territory. Yeah, but even still, without that, he's still a five. He's still, he's a five. For our, we can have a more nuanced discussion about him. Late at the tight ends position later on, I have to go through all this, but okay. I think we can all agree he's a five. All right. Zach Gentry, their backup tight end, no value. One. All right, so that is a one for Zach Gentry, and that wraps up our rankings for the AFC North. So, Richard, you do the totals for everything. I came up with uh, 31 for the Bengals, 23 for the Browns, 26 for the Ravens, and 25 for the Steelers. So ranked, that would put the Bengals at number one, the Ravens number two, Steelers three, Browns four. As I think we all could have figured, the Bengals are very clearly, in a way, the one team that you from that division that you want the most of fan from a fantasy standpoint. They've got the not just the most players, but like most of the all the players that we talked about, or a lot of the players that we talked about or gave the grades to are fantasy relevant. Like you will start them. You are starting both the wide receivers and pro, and maybe flexing the wide receiver three. You are starting running back. Uh, quarterback, the only position you're really not starting is a tight end. And there's very few teams where you're starting, you know, four pass catchers plus, you know, the running back and the quarterback as well. So, I mean, this is just one of the, that's, you know, the Bengals are thinking that's probably going to be one of the higher grades that we see for a team there is the uh, 32 Yeah, the 31. Yeah, they got one. They're 31. Three lineup, lo- four lineup locks, excuse me. Mm-hmm. They got four lineup locks. And then and a flex play. And and this also, too, has to do to with the team doesn't have as much variability as they do with, like, some of the other teams. So, again, some of our questions with the Browns are Deshaun Watson, the suspension, and the Steelers now have, you know, have Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky competing for a role. And so it adds more question marks, which is why we're less certain to say fives for people on that team or you give them higher grades like we might for that. So that's something to keep in mind as well is just, just overall offense might be more productive. You want to lean towards those offenses. Offenses with more content 
continuity and more clarity are teams that you want to focus on. So that was the whole kind of point of this. Also, it helps us kind of sort out for when we start ranking people, like, you know, us personally actually going through and ranking all the players ourselves. But I think that's going to be wrapping it all up for today. Is there anything else? Let's say. Again, we're going to go through and we're going to do all the divisions and we're going to go through everything. And as we go through and do that, we'll update with, you know, more camp news and, and stuff like that. And then as things change, if we hear things about teams we already talked about, we won't necessarily mention on air, but we'll go back and we'll adjust these. And then at the end, we'll discuss anything that might have changed between when we talked about it on the episode that we discussed and what changed by the end of training camp. But until next time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Oddballs. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your audio podcast. Until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. Good show. Bye, cool. See you later. Bye.